Well, it is, of course, Red River Week this week as Oklahoma takes on Texas for the final time for each team as members of the Big 12 Conference. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports. Welcome in, and it is always great to say hello and uh, welcome in Chris Plank, Sooner Radio Network, of course, also part of the Sooner Sports Podcast, and 9 to noon on KREF there in Norman, doing great work every single day. Chris, let's just start off. I mean, how much talk is there? And, and you know, you don't have to appease me or any Big 12 fans with this answer. I'm just curious how much talk there is about this being the final meeting of these two teams in the Big 12, or if that is kind of meaningless for both of these fan bases right now. I, I think it's meaningless to both of these fan bases with this caveat. They would really like to meet again in the Big 12 championship game. <laughs> I think that I, I think as we sit here, you know, in anticipation of Saturday, you know, whoever wins this is going to have a leg up on that path towards the Big 12 title game. Um, whoever loses it, you know, might still be considered number two. But that depends a lot on what happens with Kansas State over the next few weeks. They've got obviously OSU Friday night against uh, that in Stillwater. It's hard to figure out OSU teams, and they turn around. They've got Texas Tech, so kind of a interesting two-game stretch there. You know, we'll see if West Virginia is real. They look pretty good. So, you know, even if you lose on Saturday, there's a chance that you could still end up in the Big 12 championship game. But I, I don't know. It's a, it's a fair point. I haven't heard much. Oh, man, final time is Big 12 outside of just, you know, maybe an intro to it or something of that nature. But I, I do think that there is this feeling that there's a really good chance that these two teams could close out their run as Big 12 teams in the – in the Big 12 championship game, and then, you know, potentially for the winner of that in the 14 playoff. Yeah, and that certainly wouldn't surprise me uh, one bit based on where we're sitting here right now. Now, that being said, you know, we know that, uh, and because this, this rivalry is continuing, there's no end to it, of course, so they're going to stay as yearly rivals in the SEC. Um, but Brett Yormark, of course, is not going to be there. That kind of made some waves this week. Uh, but Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, will be there. So does this feel kind of like a a rolling out of the red carpet for the SEC folks who are going to be in town, or is that also just maybe some media hype? And it's really just about this game because of what's at stake. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't really know how much more Pete from someone who has been to, you know, every single one of these games for like the better part of the last 20 years. I don't really know how much more of a red carpet you can have that's been rolled out that could be rolled out for anyone. It's just Mm -hmm. this event, you know, everything that's around it. And I was just, Hey, you know, that, Welcome to the show is kind of how I would describe it for the moment that you step through those fair gates and you're walking through the state fair and then into the Cotton Bowl and whether you're going up to your seats or whether you're going down the ramp to the field, it's um, it's a great question, but I don't really know how much more can be added to it. I will say, you know, I, I wish that Brett Yormark still would have come. You know, it's, uh, really? I, I think that it would have been cool to see him experience this, having been someone who – you know, during his time as the commission, I don't, I don't know if he got to go to the to the Red River rivalry. So I think it still would have been cool. I don't, I don't, and obviously, I don't think Brett Yormark is not going as some sort of statement. I think it's more what he said. Hey, listen, their future is the SEC, and Greg Sankey is going to be here. It's the biggest, you know, OU Texas game that we've had since 2011. So yeah, I mean, I I, I wish that Yormark still would have come. I think that it would have been really cool to kind of have that be the the hey. The, you know, thanks for the memories, if you will. But also, you know, maybe in his mind, he realizes there's a really good chance that he's going to see these two teams on that first Saturday in December. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't really know if there's going to be any more 
you know, pomp and circumstances around it. Mm-hmm. But it is, you know, it is kind of cool to think about, hey, this is where those teams' futures are, and here's the commissioner of that league to kind of immerse himself in it. I think that's kind of cool. Now, when you say the biggest since 2011, um, is that because it's the highest ranking each team has had? Because I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's the first time since 2011 they both come in here undefeated. Gosh, I mean, that, geez, that's right. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's it's been wild when you think about how many times that, you know, either or, you know, both of these teams have stubbed their toes. Now, the Sooners have Sooners have rolled in there undefeated a couple of times. You know, they mm-hmm. I think they um, I think they did it in 21. They did it in uh, 2019, maybe even. But you know, this is this is different. Right? This is the first time. Texas was a favorite last year, but Oklahoma had lost a couple of games, and we didn't think, we didn't know if Dylan Gabriel was going to play, but he ended up not playing, so it had a much different feel to it. This is this is the first time, you know, I started on the sidelines in 2011, and I can honestly say this is the first time we've ever gone into the game where it's like Texas is considered, you know, a decisive favorite in this game in a lot of people's eyes, right? Beating Alabama will do that. But, no, there's a, there's a lot around this, and if you think about it for Oklahoma – Pete, as we talk and as we as we hang out, you know, with you're taping it on a Thursday, I just got off my local show, and literally as we wrap, you know, kind of the charge was, y'all know, if Oklahoma wins this game, it changes everything. Right? If Oklahoma goes out there and beats Texas on Saturday, it's no longer uh, just another step in the road to rebuilding. No, you've arrived. You're here. It's time. Go win a title, right? I mean, it's, you know, if they lose a close game, then I think it's a lot of people are kind of expecting that hey this is a team that's still building and you know when they get their bigger time recruits in here the david stones the uh, offensive linemen they're bringing in in the future then they'll be in a position where texas is now this is year three or four the sark rebuild this is only year two of brent venables um so this is kind of expected if texas wins the game but if oklahoma wins it then you've beaten a top five team that's already beaten alabama and you've got to schedule the rest of the way that's very manageable. So it is definitely an expectation-changing kind of foundation-shaking potential kind of a Saturday for the Sooners. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing. I mean, don't get me wrong, and you're right. Texas is a big favorite, but a touchdown favorite, um, and and they play great football so far. But you look at the last three games, I mean, they even four include Alabama. I mean, they played Alabama, which has its worst quarterback situation in probably a decade, and then three backup quarterbacks as well. I, I'm not taking anything away from what they've done, but do you think we're overvaluing Texas more so on defense based on who they played thus far? Uh, maybe a little bit, but, you know, and I, I want to make the, when I say tape, uh, I am watching YouTube copy. Okay. I'm not watching all 22. I'm not as smart as my man Gay Bikert or Teddy Lehman or <laughs> the Colt Cubers of the world. So when I say, the tape. I am simply talking about the TV copy. Um, in this case, the tape doesn't lie. I mean, that's they, they might be you know struggling to put some teams away at times, but when you watch these, you're watching dudes, man. They've got some dudes, and you know they go about four or five deep in NFL players in the interior of the defensive line. Jalen Ford is an absolute freak at linebacker. Um, you know, offensive line wise, Kelvin Banks who struggled a little bit last week against. Kansas, you know, he's one of five returning starters, and that's the first time that that's happened with all five returning starters on the offensive line for for Texas. I want to say since like '93, 
So, you know, they've got some dudes. And while I agree that, you know, we're in this business of overhyping. I mean, we had Colorado winning a national championship <laughs> when they were 3-0 because they beat Colorado State in overtime, right? Um, two losses later, you're back down to earth. Texas, you know, went, since Sark took over, they had the 5-7 and seven season. They had the 7-5, uh, and five, then they had the – you know, they, they, this is supposed to be the breakout year. This is the year where, you know, everyone kind of thinks, oh, okay, here here we go. They're back. Look out. And, you know, to me, it's while we may be overvaluing some of the things that they've done, and, yes, this isn't the, the Alabama team that we've seen in the past, on tape, it looks different. Mm-hmm. You know, attitude-wise, it seems different. So I agree. You know, there is that fundamental, foundational feeling that when it comes to big-time atmospheres and big-time games, this team has struggled. But, Pete, it just – I hate to be that, wow, it feels different and it looks different, but at least in the case of this Texas team, it really, truly does. So what about Oklahoma? Um, you know, I don't think there's been a lot of weak spots for them right now. Maybe you want to see the running game get going a little more, but um, how does Oklahoma – end up winning this game and pulling off the upset, what has to happen? Well, Dylan Gabriel needs to be really good, you know, and that's kind of, that's been the case for them so far this year. He has been really good. I mean, I, I guess you could say, you know, you really got to nitpick to find problems with him, but we've got a – Oklahoma's got a five-star quarterback in Jackson Arnold that's kind of in the wings waiting. And when you have a five-star and you have a guy that's as, as, as hyped and as talked about as Jackson Arnold is, inevitably people want him to be the guy, regardless of how good your current quarterback is playing. And, you know, it's funny. I mean, there is a faction of fans that, even though Dylan Gabriel might end up in New York, they're more excited about what Jackson Arnold could potentially do for this team than they are with Dylan Gabriel. Now, that's, a, that's a small percentage of fans, but they're out there. And I, I think everyone would agree to a man that the best-case scenario for Oklahoma is Dylan Gabriel playing four quarters, playing effectively, um, not turning the football over. You know, he's had a couple bonehead moments this year, but, you know, most quarterbacks do. And I'm just – he's got to be good for Oklahoma to win. They've got to establish some sort of a run game. Now, is that going to be a running back going for over 100 yards? Don't know. They haven't had that yet, you know, this season. Could it be Dylan Gabriel running the football? Possibly, but – they need to get something going consistently with the run game because it just hasn't been there. Could that could that run game success? Could it be you know a wide receiver, a Jalil Farouk, who's been really good in the in the jet sweeps that they've? Or could it be you know a Angel Anthony or a Drake Stoops and, and their little bubble screens that they run? They have to establish something run wise. And then you know number two or, or number three, I guess, in this shifting to the defensive side of the football, they can't have the couple of busts that they had last week. You know, and they were both they were both the same thing, right? They had two times where their safety's eyes, uh, Key Lawrence and Billy Bowman, their eyes, they got tricked. And they can't have that this weekend against Texas. So, you know, that I, I could sit here and fill up the rest of this conversation with things I, I think need to happen for an Oklahoma victory and then conversely things that need to happen for a Texas victory. But, uh, you know, to me, those are three things right there for Oklahoma. Oh, and then uh, they've got to stay in the face of Quinn Ewers. Yeah. You know, he's not a mobile quarterback. He's starting to run more. You know, in, in Rocco Beckton and Emory Jones, they faced a couple of guys the last few weeks that are, you know, they'll, they'll tuck it and run. But I thought I thought Oklahoma did a good job against both of them. I think Emory Jones only got out once. I think Rocco Beckton didn't. So they've got, they've got to stay in the face of viewers all day long if they have a chance. All right. Now, Bren Venables, I'm sure he's been hearing in Norman and across the state for 364 days about last year's um, historic 49 nothing loss. 
I, I mean, you know, you hate to try to factor and figure out motivation, but how much has that been a topic for him? And as a result, do you think he's been coaching in preparation of this game, i.e. maybe saving some things in the back pocket that Texas and nobody has seen yet from OU? Yeah, uh, I think Coach Venable said it earlier this week. He said, we're not good enough to, uh, to not show things. Gotcha. <laughs> we're not good enough to save things or hide things. How much have people been thinking about 49-0? to um, We had a preseason coaches' luncheon that we did, and unfortunately Coach Venables couldn't be there. You know, his wife Julie's battling breast cancer and fighting valiantly. So he had his coordinators sit in. And Jeff Levy, his offensive coordinator, when they went to the crowd to ask questions, uh, someone said, hey, Coach, are we going to score a touchdown against Texas this year? Oh, so it's, um, it, it definitely isn't something that's been forgotten. I don't know how much of a motivational ploy uh, that it is within that locker room, but I'll tell you, every single person to a man knows of those who were there last year, every single one of those players knows exactly what happened. And to the dudes that have been around for a minute, right, the Jordan Kellys of the world, you know, the Danny Stutzman, the Reggie Grimes, the Ethan Downs, those Marcus Major, you know, those Drake Stoops, the guys who have been here and lived it, now, I'm sure that there is a certain sense of wanting to wash away that frustration of what happened last season. Because in any conversation that you had, I mean, in any conversation you had about predictions, about previewing the season, about how you felt about Texas, if you're an Oklahoma fan, every response would always be, well, yeah, they beat you 49 to zip, and you had no counter to it because that's the reality of it. You could say Dylan Gabriel was hurt. Who cares? 49 zip. You could say Billy Bowman didn't play because Billy Bowman didn't play last year. Guess what? Nobody cares. 49 is it. Uh, but this is a different Oklahoma team. Unfortunately, it's a different and very good Texas team. So I can't. I cannot wait to see if Oklahoma is able to get out there and wipe that clean on Saturday. How do you see – I mean, I think they're adjusting well, but I want to get your insider perspective here on this. How do you see them – Chris Plank, adjusting to this new portal NIL world. I mean, there's questions up in Stillwater as to whether or not, you know, Mike Gundy is adjusting to this new world of college football well. And it seems like it's maybe, I don't want to call it a problem, but um, some of the guys who have been around as head coaches for a long time, heck, even Davo Sweeney and Nick Saban are being talked about in this way. Are they adjusting to the new world of college football well? It seems like Brent Venables is not having an issue, but what's the word on the ground? Well, I, I think that Oklahoma has – let's rewind a little bit. When Bryn Venables came in, right, that was kind of the start of, all right, NIL is, is a little bit more of a beast than we thought. Mm-hmm. And I think early on they were like, you know what, I, let's, let's, let's build and let's recruit on who we are, what we're building, and what our track record is. Well, I think they quickly realized that as great as all those qualities are – the NIL is going to be a factor of the conversation, right? Not the number one, but it's going to be mentioned in every recruiting trip, visit, whatever that you make. So Oklahoma has really been um, – they've responded well in that world, and so has Brent Venables. So, you know, I, I think that's one thing you see across the board here at, at – and I'm, as I'm sitting here, you know, I'm just sitting in the parking lot at the stadium right now getting ready to run in and tape some stuff. But as we're, you know – kind of working through it and understanding what the new rules are going to be and what that's going to look like. I think what we've discovered more than anything else, Pete, is that it's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Now, there's going, to be, there's going to be different NCAA rules. If there's still going to be you know, an enforcement arm of college sports that are going to make it hopefully a little bit more fair. But OU's really worked as much as it can with its collectives and making sure that 
you know, these are doing things the right way, that you're not having to drop, you know, $5,000 on visitors or whatever the rumors are out there right now. They've got a very, very good NIL plan, and that's been spearheaded by a belief from all the coaches here, from, you know, Brent Venables to Patty Gasso to, you know, Jenny Baranchak to Porter Moser. I mean, they, they understand the importance of it. Now, is it the number one thing? When you walk into a living room and a kid says, I need hundred grand," you might walk back out. But it is definitely a part of the conversation. And as far as the portal is concerned, I think, I think the, the massive numbers out of the portal for Oklahoma have been out of necessity. They needed to get better. They needed to get bigger. They needed to get stronger. They needed more competitive depth. So that's why you've seen so much portal work for the Sooners. I think in the future, they want to be more in the portal like Alabama and Georgia currently are, where you have that foundation of strong five-star college uh, high school athletes come in and maybe sit for a year and learn, and then they're your dudes. But you're always going to sprinkle in a few portal guys. So Bryn Venables embraces it. Um, he knows the importance of the NIL world, and he also understands the importance of you know, making your roster better. You know, that through, through the transfer portal, that's one thing I will say. You know, Brent Venables came for the Bill Snyder coaching tree, then coached Bob Stoops, and obviously spent a lot of time with Dabo. And I feel like he's taken a little bit of everything from these guys. Mm-hmm. A, a little bit of everything. Like, yeah. for instance, um, he took from Bill Snyder the discipline side of it, right? Uh, took from Bob Stoops kind of the um, – what's the best way to put this? Almost the – the leadership side, right, to where you can be a little bit more presidential, right? You don't have to be involved in everything. Now, don't get me wrong, Brent Venables is very involved as a defensive coordinator, but where you have your hand in everything, but you trust your coordinators, right? And I don't know if Brent's found that yet on the defensive side of the football completely, but he's getting there. So you've got that uh, that he took from Bob Stoops. And then with, you know, Dabo, he took a little bit more of the personal skills, right, and, and being more relational. But he also doesn't – it doesn't mean he's taken everything from all of them. So, in other words, where Dabo is like, I don't care about the transfer portal, Brent Venables is like, I need it, um, <laughs> right? Where Bob Stoops, you know, the recruiting side for Coach Stoops was a little bit different late. Brent Venables has absolutely embraced it. And Bill Snyder wasn't always known as, a, as like a player's coach. Brent Venables has been that, you know, in a way uh, with the, with the um, sole mission that they brought in and with their holistic approach. So I've been, I've been really floored with how Coach Venables has, has handled being the head coach and, and being that guy. And in all of this with NIL and with Portal, I feel like he's, he's doing things differently, but with a little bit from everyone that he's learned from, and his analytical mind is, is just top-notch. So they embrace it. They get it. I know I've talked a lot about it. I'm passionate about it, too. Um, and they're not going to fall behind because of the, uh, the lack of attention to the NIL and to the Portal world. Well, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch it all play out on Saturday. Red River rivalry, of course, uh, kicking off at 11 o'clock from the Texas State Fair, as it does each and every year. Chris Plank doing great work with uh, the Sooner Sports Network, of course, the uh, Sooner Sports Podcast, and KREF there in Norman 9 the Nude. Chris, thank you so much for fitting in time for us during a busy week, man. We appreciate you. All right. Thanks, Pete. Chris Plank, always good to have him on. Hey, before you head out, I think we're like two iTunes ratings away from 700. We're at 698. Come on, who wants to be 700, baby? Let's go. Woo! Can you leave that five-star for me? And if you want to leave a review, it takes another 30 seconds. Send me a screenshot. We'll get you a Heartland College Sports koozie. Just email me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. We so appreciate you guys. Have a great rest of your day. 
And uh, we'll be talking to you soon as week six is upon us in the Big 12 and across college football. Have a great day. Take care.